previously on Something Who. Welcome to the podcast where we take something old, a Doctor Who story from the original series, compare it with something new, one from the new series, and add something borrowed to make Something Who. Hello, I'm Richard and we're back with Something Who podcast where, uniquely across the original and new series, we discuss a couple of Doctor Who stories from the same writer. Mm. First, we'll look at Seventh Doctor Story Survival from Season 26. And after that, we'll examine Twelfth Doctor Tale, The Eaters of Light from Series 10. And with me to decide whether these stories feel like a natural selection, I have the usual team. So let's start with our favourite storyteller and part-time thespian, Paul. <laughs> Thank you very much. I've got a new introduction. Hurrah. And uh, next up, it's science and astronomy writer, Giles. Evening, I've got an old introduction. <laughs> and finally, it's something whose own legal expert, Simon. Hello, Richard. Hello, everyone. Is there, is there rumour true this is going to be the Rona and Munro's laughing? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, you know, before we do, before we get um, lost in all of that, I guess we should probably start discussing the stories tonight. Let's kick off with Survival, written unsurprisingly by Rona Munro, since since they both are, and directed by Alan Waring. I was just chewing over it, Simon, as I was downstairs. So, are we thinking then that if if they stay on the planet long enough, not only do they get the catty teeth and eyes, but they they get the false fur and spots as well? Because I, I must say that never occurred to me in any of the times I've watched it. The the human people who go over to the alien planet, they're turning feral and they're getting the catty teeth and eyes and so on. But it never occurred to me that they might also they might go the full cheetah. I watched it carefully and did a bit of research. Yeah. And I thought it was another dying race. They they used the kitlings to sort of recruit humans and they're disappearing and they're they're getting converted not converted, but they're sort of evolving into cheetah people. Right. That that was my take on it. And then I think it's the master who says that when the, the cheetahs fight each other, the, the planet's destruction accelerates a bit yeah. more. So that was that was my my take on it, and the kicklings are the, they evolve into cheetah people eventually. That was my very simple take on it. Yeah, I mean that was it, really, wasn't it? Are the, are the cheetah people and the kicklings just coincidentally both catish, or is there something about that planet which means that there's cat-like things there? I'm just wondering how well I have understood this in retrospect. <laughs> always marvel and all the all the listeners enjoy it but just all the things that paul and charles managed to wring from these stories it always impresses me i think they did it they sort of compromised didn't they that the master almost had the cheetah spots he definitely had the the yellow eyes and the, and the teeth yeah. and everything and a bit of a cheetah complexion they did that really well so it would have been interesting to see what the rest of the the inhabitants of the planet would have looked like looking like that but i didn't i didn't have a problem with the cheetah costumes i thought they looked good yeah I guess I enjoyed it as an allegory and I didn't really worry too much about all of the deeper aspects of 
who turns into what but i but yes just just so i was making my cup of tea down there i'm thinking are the people turning into cats are the cats turning into people what's that what, what the, the cats going to become cheetah i i yes the, the, the kittlings the cheetah people and the humans but I, yeah it doesn't really matter it's a bit like uh, i've been watching colony in space as well i mean you've got in that you've got the, the primitives mm, yes you've got the guardian and i think you've got the high priests mm. yeah and they're all derivatives of one species i think and i think it's the same with the kitlings and the, the cheetah people and it that maybe that would have been a nice touch if you had some overall super being that tied them all together in in with the planet as well the great cat mm. yeah cheetara <laughs> The next story we're looking at is The Eaters of Light, also written by Rona Munro and directed by Charles Palmer, which, you know, like most of New Who, I saw it when it went out. I watched it again this weekend. Mm -hmm. I didn't much like it the first time I saw it, and I liked it a lot more this time. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> right. If we're going to go for really snappy summaries like that, I didn't mm -hmm. like it much the first time I watched it, and I still don't. <laughs> oh, okay. Wham, bam. I'll say I quite liked it the first time, and I liked it some more this time. Mm. I fell asleep, as usual, watching it the first time. <laughs> <laughs> and I, being a sulky sort of fellow, I never bothered going back to it again. This time around, I enjoyed it more, watched it to the end. I get Nardole's character this time around. Big <laughs> Matt Lucas fan, so I enjoyed him. It just it just adds something to the to the show, so I really enjoyed his performance. Probably going to wind up poor now because I really enjoyed Peter Capaldi as well. Wow, being sparky <laughs> and and grumpy. Um, I'm a real sucker for anything with Roman legionaries in it, so story should have naturally appealed to me. Just two things struck me: if the big mystery is what happened to the Ninth Legion, I, I know it's Doctor Who, but how? How on earth are you going to know where to land to start looking for them if no one knows the fate? Not even a time-travelling person through time and space from Gallifrey. How, how on earth would they know where to land? And Presumably Bill is a, now a close friend of the Doctor. How does she think she's ever going to know more about what happened to the Ninth Legion than the Doctor? Yeah. The opening, exactly, it set me off on the, a bad footing right from the opening. As you say, the 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 between them seems slightly off and the logic of well where are they then uh so you must uh, it just seemed ludicrous and they said they're in aberdeen as well yeah i don't remember that being a roman town or settlement oh was it aberdeen i thought it was glasgow I, i'm sure i heard aberdeen a yeah, couple of times okay. yeah you're, yeah you're quite right where did i get glasgow from? well the other thing is is that bill goes off to find a Roman legion. I mean, what's she going to do with one when she when she catches up with it? <laughs> it's very uh, odd that beginning. Yeah, it's much. It feels much more classic. Who with the getting separated and um, yeah, and mm. in a rather contrived way. That I don't know, or does it? That's just what I thought. Yeah, I mean, the, 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 there's also that interesting pre-credits bit where you think something terrible is going to happen to the little girl, but actually mm. it, it doesn't. Yes, um, because unusual? it because it because it's sort of about the music, or it's sort of saying there's a, there's a legacy from this story or mm. something. So it's so it's a it's a very different opening from most of them. 
Mm. More sort of whimsical, perhaps. There's a very nice prologue. My biggest regret about this podcast is that I didn't find the time to read the novel. which, mm. But I did get it down and read the first couple of chapters and flick through it. Mm. And it was enough to suggest a few things to me. But there's a very nice prologue in the book, which is very spooky and horrific and gives a suggestion of the atmosphere that's right where Munro was going for. Mm. Um, it's, mm. Which would have made a much better opening, really. Because it's only 42 mm. minutes long and the last five minutes is all is a teaser for a different story so we can't really yes. afford to waste yes. any time on bits mm. but it's um it, it dramatizes the point where car yeah. car yeah. takes over the custodianship of the gateway from her no. predecessor who stumbles out in the throes mm. of being consumed by a i was gonna say death eater mm. <laughs> right by a light eater and it's all and it's all very tense and visual and rather more exciting than anything we actually see. And it looks like the rest of the book continues in the same vein. Interesting. It could. I, I'm, I'm not that enamoured of any of it. The story, the characters, the treatment, any of it. But it would have, if it had been, if it looked the way it did in Brandon and Rose's head, it would have been a, <laughs> mm. that, would, that would have been a hell of an improvement. And I think it actually is quite a step down even for this era. I noticed the director Charles Palmer making a return. Was he from the Russ RTD era? I think. Yes, but didn't he, didn't he do Oxygen? And we I th- were watching last time. Was, yeah, like, was that him as well? Interesting. Mm. Well, that would be good. It was a pretty good. Pretty good yeah, I, I've always had him. I was going to blame good. him. I was going to blame him for it, but uh, it doesn't seem to have fired his imagination anyway. If that's yeah, no, I can't work it out because I always thought he's one of the definitely one of the upper upper set of directors really that yeah. will usually be relied on to. Hmm. So, so for me, I mean, I I, I quite like this, you know. The, if if there is a central theme of it, it's it's that the the kids are having to play at being adults, hmm. you know. So so on the on the side of the Picts, they're all their adults have died, and, and and all of the kind of knowledge has gone with them. So they're sort of they've got the mumbo jumbo but they don't really understand the workings of it i mean it's not entirely clear if anyone mm. understood how it was how it works or whether it's all been mumbo jumbo for generations but but certainly at this point any of the original knowledge is, is, uh, has gone up the chute so they so they sort of know what they're supposed to do but they don't really understand why and t- and i mean the on the roman side it's not that different you know all, all of the experienced soldiers have gone and so they're sort of going through through the the motion so 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 i quite like that aspect of it that that ev- yeah. everyone's kind of trying to act in a situation you know where they, where they don't really understand what they're doing and they don't really feel confident about it hmm. well i mean you just put it i think better than it comes across in the story that it is this theme and it's not no. it's not quite as strong a theme as survival but it could have hmm. been and where is the where is the elegance of the writing of survival where it's threaded through every mm. every scene every location every character every exchange is imbued with the point of the story and here mm. i don't well, it just I, doesn't feel that way the same way to me so i guess you i mean you've so you you've got the girl at the very start so i suppose i, I don't what's that saying is it saying that that it's only if you are young that you kind of sense some of this stuff that's going on i don't know or or is she somehow especially in tune with 
with car i don't know there's you, you get car sort of early on disturbed by bill and she's sort of you get that you, you get this from that exchange that obviously she's lost her parents and she's in this kind of difficult situation so, so that kind of sets it up at that early point and then you also get the 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 romans well i guess both the one with bill and then the the ones that she runs into later on and and you know they are he, he's the old man but he's 17 or 18 or something so so that that's set up at that point and then at the end you've got the uh, this thing where they they sort of get pool there i mean it's, it is a bit like survival in that aspect you know if we fight like animals we'll die like animals but actually if we all get together and and we fight the the, the beast then we can we can overcome it yeah, that, that's reminiscent of a lot of McCoy-era stories, so she must have remembered that from the time. Mm. It's like the end of Curse of Fenric, isn't it? Yeah. Famously, where they... I like, structurally, I, I quite like the the idea that, and yes, it's, it's, it's a very trad approach to Who, but I quite like the fact that, and there isn't much running around, that it just like puts puts the Doctor with one set of characters and having one dialogue with with Nardole as well. And then, you know, so the Doctor's with the Celts and, oh, yeah. or pick, Picts and and spills off with the Romans, and having more or less... I mean, as you say, it didn't feel like the, the dialogue was as, as sharp and... No. Sort of, it, it, touches, it touches on the points, but it doesn't um, it's, quite It's, a, it's do... a burial mound under siege, isn't it? Mm. But I I mean, yeah, it, does, it just, does just kind of leave them there until it then brings them together. And what I, I do mm. like, and I think it is a very... Elegant, you know. I think it is quite elegant. The whole thing with, with the telepathic circuits and Bill figure, figuring them out, and then the fact that once they come together, they can. I, I think the problem is perhaps oh, because yes. we did. Perhaps because we didn't see any of the Celts. Like we didn't see any interactions. Sorry, keep saying Celts. I mean Picts. We didn't see any interactions between between the two groups prior yes. to. Prior to that, if you'd had that yeah. as a prelude, perhaps yes, that's, that's of them that's being good, being up think, against yeah. each other and just not understanding each other. Yeah, dramatically, uh, dramatically, the problem is that that's presented, and it's a, as you say, it's a clever resolution, it's a clever mm. moment. Yeah, but it's and presented as the solution to a problem we didn't know existed. Yes, and it does have now, that nice thing about oh, is that what you we can? Sound, we all sound like children to you, and yes. you know, and that. That kind of it's it's there, but it feels like there's some yeah some element of setup missing. But the, there are several things I <laughs> several things I don't like about it. One of which the morals are all very and the message is all very heavy-handed compared to survival, mm. I think, and it mostly comes across through enormous reams of speechifying from the doctor and from Bill, his because of course companions in New Who are all superhumanly intelligent and, and perceptive and just do the Doctor's work. So you, to the extent that you sometimes wonder why you need both of them. But I just find it absolutely insufferable. I'm not say, saying specifically the Twelfth Doctor, but it's kind of the worst kind of New Who Doctor here, where he just strides through the story, explaining everything. He explains things before he knows what's going on. He explains them afterwards. It's just explain, 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 joke, explain. I just when you've only you've got forty-two minutes, and it feels like half of that is the central character just showing off, grandstanding. Mm. 
and I, you don't the downside of that to that is you don't really get to know the guest characters at all. They just seem so superficial. Mm. They're just in it just enough for you to understand what <laughs> get a glimmer of what's at stake here. Yeah, it, they 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 feel a bit characterless. The guest characters, in the same way that the dialogue itself feels less characterful. Mm. And I mean, I'm talking here about the character of the writer as much as the <laughs> the individual voices of the characters in the in the text. And I was wondering, is this because they're all very young? But of course, they're all young in survival. That's the one thing the two stories have got in common. They're mm. all about young people trying to survive in an in a hostile environment. Mm. And yet, so they've got there's a big similarity there, but they feel nothing like each other to me. It feels like the dullest kind of new who, and apologies to everyone for saying this, filler episode, <laughs> where written by a guest writer who doesn't really have any interest in or knowledge of the programme and just fishes around for something, a, a topic that they that they do have an interest in and the showrunner works with them to try and find a who angle on it and they just about get away with it, but no. It's not, yeah. It never sets anyone's world on fire. That's what it feels like. And yet it's Rona Munro who, mm. who did not have that problem first time around. No, she was well versed in, you know, well versed in. I was wondering if it had been rewritten heavily, but looking at the book, it didn't. Unless she's been forced to keep. Mm. <laughs> it looks like it's all hers. I mean, judging it, from the novel, yeah. it's just it's fleshed out all the things that are. This is more. Of course, there's more detail. It's. It's a full length. <laughs> it's a full length by Doctor Who standards novel, compared to a forty-two minute teleplay. So of course it's fleshed out, but it's lost. It's not like it comes to life on the page, but it does at least not speed through from one point to another quite such reckless it, abandon. It definitely feels it's been moffated. I mean, not just the sort of seven minutes at the end. But a lot of the dialogue feels quite at the start feels quite moffaty. I think I think that you know the, the the bits with with Bill and the Romans and the, and the some of the stuff with Carr sort of do probably feel like they've survived from from Rena Monroe. But the the Doctor and Nardole and so on it does it, it feels very much of the season and less do likely to have come from her. Do you, do you think it sounds specifically like Moffat to the extent that you might have rewritten it, or do you think it sounds like a writer trying to write in that style? Because I feel like it should be easier to tell, and and yet I'm not sure. I find them quite weary, wearying here, the Doctor and Bill and Nardole, in a way that I don't in other stories, which makes me wonder if perhaps it's somebody aiming for that and not quite giving it the spark. <laughs> the, well, I don't... But, show. I, but equally, I don't really see, at this stage... She won't have seen any of the finished episodes to, no, to go no. on, so so I don't think that she can really be going off anything other than what she's been told. No, it's not. It's not like people seeing Matt Smith and. Um, I was know, disappointed by this. Works. I was disappointed by this the first time round because I had great expectations because it was the return of Rona Munro, who wrote one of my favourites. This time around, I'm disappointed because um, we've seen a few. Have we? <laughs> I don't know if we've seen many stories in this season, but we certainly saw one very recently, and it reminded me how much I like the bulk of this season. Mm. 
was a re real return to form, a bit like season 26, first time mm. around. And yet this yeah. one seemed like such a missed opportunity and didn't have that same flair. Well, so so, si so Simon, you, you said your opinion of it had improved a bit, having seen it just second time i mean was that was that simply because you didn't sleep through it this time or, <laughs> or, or were, were there aspects of it I, that you saw that you liked better i we we did oxygen last time around yeah and re-watching that i thought that was fantastic and i didn't i didn't take to the bill character straight away when when we were talking about survival we were talking about some of the actors playing younger people not being contemporary but bill was a real contemporary and felt like a real person but sometimes their performance grated a bit and you you sort of like in the sort of classic who stories yes people come from different times and places but somehow they integrate themselves into whatever situation it was and watching bill the first time around she stood out like a sore thumb all the time and in this episode she does again because i just don't think that would happen where you bond you, you bond instantly with a load of desperate roman legionaries or or wild pits i think a lot of those people back then would just kill you on the spot unless you could prove yourself to them in some way so that didn't seem so good this time around but i i i just find peter capaldi funny as the doctor i i enjoy him because he, <laughs> towards the end of his tenure he sort of became malcolm tucker almost and i'm a huge fan of the thick of it so it I can see why it great support and he's, he's reasoned that and set that out really well. But at the same time, I like all that spark and anger and sarcasm. I find that quite entertaining. So this, this time around, I, I, Oxygen encouraged me to look at this differently and through different eyes, but I didn't think it was a fantastic performance from Bill all the way through it. And the plot holes we found of it were tricky as well. And also they, they did, they overdid all the thing. You know, I don't know whether it was, Moffatism or Paul's actually read the book. I don't know whether it was Rona Munro, but all that bonding with the Romans that, that just didn't seem natural to me at all. And I, I guess it's the 42 minute format as well. You, we look back at the classic stories and you can see fantastic characters there and what the actors bring to it. And you actually know the, you know, what each character's like, the, whether it's the, the director of the base under siege or a particular character, you, you never get this with the 42-minute format. So the leader of the surviving Ninth Legionaries, we'd never really got to know him properly, just about five minutes mm. worth of seeing him on screen, and even Kara herself. We don't know much about her as a person from this. So um, no. it doesn't it doesn't really stand up to much scrutiny, unfortunately, whereas Oxygen, I thought, was absolutely fantastic. And again, to compare it with survival, you know, the characters are all very strongly written. Mm. You know, whether you like them or not, you know who each character is supposed to be. Yeah. And I don't see why even in 42 minutes we couldn't have had, because of the, through interacting with each other, they don't come on stage and say, this is who I am. They don't declaim mm. their character. They, we see it through their clashes and interaction. Yeah. And well, there's no reason we couldn't have had... Of, of it done, you know, as much as... There's no reason we couldn't have had that here, even mm. in this short run time. Mm. And uh, so, where where is that? Yeah, and in survival, as you say, where some of the some of the characters don't work, it tends to be possibly because of the casting. It's not a dialogue failing, I don't think. Hmm. Hmm. 
So, I mean, what, what do you make of it then, Charles? You sort of said you'd, you'd like to, I think, a little bit better than the first time. Well, no, I mean, I'm getting... You're getting no, affected. I'm guessing, uh, yeah. Oh, no. God, have I ruined it for everyone? No. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. It's not... It doesn't feel like it's... Oh, I, I don't know. And I quite, I quite like thematically the stuff that she's picking up on, and, you know, the, the Celtic... Well, I keep saying Celtic. The Pictish, you know, but, you know... The, that ancient British mythology kind of stuff, all the you know stuff to do with you know, barrows being gateways to other worlds, and you have mm. Tiernan and Og and all of that, and you have the yeah you know, the visual you know the picking up of the visuals of the light eater things and their tentacles becoming the curly cues in Pictish carvings and mm. like lost time, the the typical thing if you go to fairyland and years pass on the outside and only a few moments have passed for. For you, suppose you didn't know anything about eating food because that's the thing. Don't eat the food in fairyland. Oh um, yes. But then I suppose these aren't really fairies. Um, but I, I felt like those mythological trappings and things like that made it appeal to me just because that sort of mm. is something I'm interested in anyway. And I admit there's a there is a gaping hole about how on earth do you land in a position to to solve the mystery of the of the ninth. Yes. Yeah, exactly. You know, exactly the right time and place for yeah. that. You're right. Yes, yes. To, to to the very day, to the very mm. half mile. Yes, it is yeah. a little bit convenient, isn't it? But yeah, I, I liked it structurally. But I do agree that the the characters all mm. sort of blend, and I, I like the I like stuff like the the cheekiness, as it were, of the the idea that the crows can talk, mm. and yeah, stuff like that. I, I quite, I quite like it. It doesn't have to make any, you know. It, do, it doesn't have to be realistic in order to be a, a nice storytelling idea. But yeah, it doesn't. Yeah, I agree. It doesn't just doesn't deliver on that sort of thematic, thematic unity. If we're if we're going to talk about, you know, get back to playwriting terms and all of that sort of stuff. Simon, if you need to leave us now, uh, is there anything else that you wanted to say about this before you disappear? Uh, like Charles, I loved the. I thought that the whole theme with the crows. I thought that was very clever. I enjoyed that. Mm. I thought that. I thought the actual eater of light creature that was disappointing in itself. The way that was realised and this notion that oh, if they get out, they're going to eat every every bit of light <laughs> around stars mm. and yeah, everything's going to be that escalated gone. quickly. That was yeah. just. <laughs> If they, you know, if they're that powerful, what's you know, how's one picked going to stop them or six? remaining ninth mm. legion members legionaries it just it's really paper thin unfortunately mm. i should have loved it i really i really enjoyed oxygen but um no this this was a bit of a disappointment i'm enjoying this particular season far more than when i watched it first time around and i get the nardal character again and i enjoy peter capaldi stroke malcolm tucker but th- this one there's just not enough to it unfortunately and it I think Paul's summed it up very well. It feels it feels like a filler, and I think perhaps in the production order, it was one of the earlier stories where Pearl Mackey was still finding a way and finding a way into the character. Whereas in Oxygen, she was just in jeopardy and looked scared out of her mind all the time, which was just absolutely perfect for the plot there. And here, she's just left on her own a little bit without the Doctor to spark off, unfortunately. 
so it's a case of what what might have been really there's a lot of interesting themes here but they're just they're just not realized or delivered on screen unfortunately sure if if you have to drop off simon then that's fine i'll skip off if that's okay yeah yeah okay well okay thanks very much great yeah. to see you lovely to speak to you all again guys and okay. uh, we'll catch up again yeah, indeed. Yeah, indeed. Take care, sir. Yeah, yeah. Bye. Bye. I am much less down on it than I think the rest of you. I mean, I I felt like it it moved along well. You know, it was it was thirty five minutes of story. We'll talk about the last seven in a minute. The the, the thirty five minutes of story seemed well paced. As I say, I I I saw that theme of kids a bit out of their depth and trying to be trying to be adults not knowing quite how to and sort of tr- muddling through i mean you know yes so there's 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 a lot of coincidences and you know luck that pushes the story along as you say you know, the fact that the doctor and, and bill arrive in the right place at the right time is lucky the fact that the tardis translation you know, means that that they can talk to to each other when they couldn't before. Obviously, it wouldn't work without that. There's there's a lot of thing, things that are having to to come together to to, to help make this story work. But but nonetheless, uh, I, I find it re- fairly satisfying as much as a thirty five minute story can be. And then there's this this seven minute coda with the master with, mm. with Missy uh, grafted into the story. Kind of like Ainley was grafted into the previous. Uh, uh, Shameless, unforgivable. If you're going to do that, at least give us a 45-minute story, a full-length story, and then add another seven minutes on. They, mm. they, were, yeah. they were allowed 50-minute stories in this era. They were allowed to stretch it. Yeah. Ugh. I mean, to some extent, it's it's nicely done in that the thing that they do with Missy is. A lead on from the story, you know. They're talking about the music. It brings us back to the the apparently super superfluous prologue with the girl. Yes, it? yes, mm. it's it is definitely Chekhov's musical snatch, isn't it? But I suppose, yeah. So Missy's tear and the Doctor's hope. Uh, you know, I mean, I certainly that that plays then into the the finale for the season. Hope is hard to resist. It's mm, quite nicely, I, yeah. I thought it was very nicely done. I felt mm. more in this section. Yeah. And thought it told a more. I felt more emotion here than I did in the whole of the previous story. Right, I almost okay. feel like mm. it tells a it tells a slightly more effective story in seven minutes than the other one did mm. in thirty five. But is, yeah, I just wish it hadn't some. Uh, yeah, I can't work out what happened. Whether it took a chunk out of it or, I mean, I know that it would have been done without Nardole. In the, the initial mm. drafts, I don't think Nardo would have been a figure in it. So presumably had some, I don't know, some. There's nothing that I was able to find that sort of ran into, oh, you know, this, there was there were great problems and there was a, a five mm. minute hole that had to be patched. Yeah. So it's either that they decide that they want this section with Missy, so they you know, get you know, they dump a section of the of the story or alternatively it just turns out that actually there's it's a relatively slight story the first part and and 35 minutes is kind of how long it lasts i don't know well if i'd finished reading the book i could have told you if they'd excised anything major 
but as usual, my research was well intentioned <laughs> but completely inadequate. Mm. The, the the issue with time running on different tracks, so so they they dive into the mm. other dimension, and the Doctor's there for seconds, but it lasts for two and a bit days. Mm. So I guess what we're saying is that actually the prospect for Car and the Romans isn't all that great. They're probably only going to be in there for a few minutes before they get nobbled by this monster, but it's going to be long enough that it's decades on the other side and somebody else will be there to take over from them. Is it? Or I think it's like, I, I think guess the implication so, is they're still doing it today. In, because they can still hear the, the music. Day. Yeah. Okay, it's, so, so, so it's maybe they... It's fake though, isn't it? So maybe they live out their um, lives, but... It's fake. Why, why are they going to be able to keep this thing at bay in perpetuity for long enough that we essentially don't need to worry about it anymore when previously every mm. generation they'd needed to refresh the gatekeeper did i miss yeah. something is there a light explanation for yeah because they say oh they have to they have to open it and bleed off the bleed off the bleed off the energy or something don't they to... what hmm? well there's oh, there's some there's some line about like it's a bit like bleeding a radiator or what's a stop yeah it, yeah yeah so stop are you saying are you are you agreeing with me or not? Do you, is there any explanation for why no, I we, don't, not they're not going to need to be replaced in their turn by another generation mm. of... Is there or isn't there? I'm not aware of there being an explanation right. of why they can't... Well, that would be the most extraordinary plot hole, wouldn't it? Our ancestors could close up... the gate completely, but they built the can to control it. Oh, like venting an oil gush, says Nardole. They let the portal open for yeah. a few minutes, so stop the... Yeah, stop that's, the that's explained how it's... Yeah. How it's uh, how it's happened, mm. how it's been kept under control thus far, up until the point where the story is set in the past, right? And the thing poisons the light. The thing is, I don't like anything about this ending. I, I as you know, I'm not that keen on the noble sacrifice endings, mm. mostly because, mm. not because of a tonal problem, but because they're so they tend to be contrived. You, when you're dealing with a program like this, where essentially doctor can fix anything hmm. you have to choose to decide this week he can't fix it which means yeah. he's going to need a noble sacrifice from one of our regulars hmm. and then what does that do other than make the doctor look less effective hmm. it's it's slightly reminiscent of the of the nonsense with the motorbikes if that's not too much of a stretch hmm. of course he's going to he volunteers to leap in and do it himself which makes sense because he's effectively immortal well he isn't yeah. <laughs> it seems as though we're supposed to believe that it's going to be alright because they band together yes. and they say and the, the numbers, the numerical advantage they will have will but it doesn't I can't really see the logic in that. No, because it's 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 laid waste to a whole hillside of Roman mm. soldiers some not many days beforehand. So looking at this, I mean essentially in Is in it? two in two and a two and a third days there's about twenty thousand seconds. <laughs> so if the, if, if, if if the doctor disappears in for about twenty seconds and it takes twenty thousand, yeah. you, you, so you could mm. sorry two hundred thousand. So you could say it's, there's about ten thousand to one ratio. So so I guess where well how long have we been? About two thousand years between then and the present day. So so fundamentally, they'd only have to be in there for a fifth of a year, and that would give you your your sort of two thousand years between. Right. So yeah, but I mean, what they, are they actually doing they, there though? Are they fighting it? What what did yes, these gatekeepers be, because do? They, because they're not going to last for, for for two months, right. are they? If they're fighting it, are they actually doing anything proactive or just standing there, letting it standing in its way, letting it suck them dry, 
well, this is... until it ejects their dead husk, and somebody new has to take over. And it's and the only thing that's actually making a difference to saving the the planet and the, possibly the galaxy is the time differential between these two dimensions. It's not really anything particularly skillful that these pe- these noble yeah, well, I mean, they, they, sacrifices they've got undoing. that they've got that strange implement, whatever that does. But yeah, I I, I think I think you're right in his in history. I, I think what we're what we're given to understand is that every time up till this point, that's the way it's worked, and that seventy years is you know probably just a few hours of time. So so yeah, the per, the person who's gone in. Has, hasn't lasted very long, but it, it lasted long enough for it to be a generation or two for someone else to go in. Right. But, so we're but, thinking but, that but, perhaps but something different must have happened this time to make it last so much longer. And is it just the numbers? The, lots of people went in together. It's a bit. It's a bit um, airy fairy. It's it's taking the this time we work together, comrade, motif, and say so yes. If the, if the Romans and the Picts join forces, put aside the differences, then they can overcome even the horrible space monsters, which is a nice message, but surely we need something a bit tighter than that, having been presented with with this as a realistic science fiction setup, with with factual facts and figures and numbers, yeah. which are in our heads. Well, if you're going to take it seriously, you have to follow through on it. Well, I'm just looking at the transcripts on uh, chakatea.net which yeah. is the website that's full of fantastic transcripts of Doctor Who and some other sci-fi series if anyone hasn't come across it so refreshing my memory from that the whole thing seems to be that the gateway only opens when the sun shines onto it at certain times of right. presumably at certain times of year so it's a bit it's designed a bit like Newgrange that the, the only on Midsummer Day or whichever day it is, forgive me for my inaccuracy, but the um, sun shines down the shaft yeah. and opens the opens up the gateway, and at that point the the guardian presumably needs to be there to keep the beasties back. But with the stones collapsing because of the, well, this is the thing, yeah. Does that mean they, that, they, that they the sun can't they, get in? When the doctor they they do the bit, you know, at the finale when they're driving it back and they say it'll only stay open as long as the sunlight's on it. And that's when the Doctor grabs the sword and wants to do his self sacrifice bit. And then and then when they go they yeah. And then the and the problem is the can is they say oh, the the gateway opens and the, the can is built to control it. So I suppose from the point when that's that accompanies the line about the oil, like letting off letting off pressure mm. kind of thing, which does make sense on some level that you let you you let lights reach this gateway. So the gateway is presumably naturally there already, say like the Torchwood Rift, mm. to borrow another. And when sun shines on it, so they build a cairn over it, so it would only, so sun sh- would only shine over it at certain times. But it begs the question of how on earth this thing originated and what happened and why the, why the light eaters didn't just get out before the peaks came along and built the cairn over the top of it. Mm. Oh. And then, and then when the can collapses on top of, on top of it all, then okay, you could say it plunges into darkness, so the gateway will never open again. But a that rather obviates the sacrifice of Carl and her pals, and b it leaves open the question of hang on, well, wasn't the idea that it, 
you had to let the pressure off this thing. You see, they were all taking it far too seriously. Even hearing you trying to make sense yeah, of it is sorry. winding me up. Mm. This is everything I dislike yeah. about about New Who. The the lack of oh, the lack of clarity and simplicity in the in the explaining away the it, setups. You, is is this one of those oh let's let's find a mystery slash natural phenomenon and go back? Is it is this the yes? Is this the equivalent of aliens inspired everything Shakespeare ever wrote kind of thing? It's. <laughs> or yeah, or whichever. But that's not yeah. the case in the Shakespeare Code book. But you've, you've, find, you've waved around examples a, in the past, haven't you, Paul? Let's find a simple, strong image and/or mm. concept and give it an incredibly convoluted, tenuous mm. explanation. Yeah. Which means that the story is going to end in an unsatisfying way because you're going to end with you're going to have a lot of mystery and intrigue and. Front loaded, and at the end, you're going to be just remember your dissatisfaction and or incomprehension with the uh, both the, both the explanation of why this is happening and how it's dealt with. Yeah, if, if if there was a if there was a good explanation originally in the script, mm. it's it, it's almost willfully missing here because I mean, not only do they not offer a good explanation they offer no explanation at all really i mean f- fundamentally apart from the fact that the barrel whatever it is starts to collapse they never they never mention it again well i mean the the, the brother mentions that that she's there in there holding the gate but after that all they're doing is talking about the ninth legion and then missy they sort of deliberately steer away from any kind of a discussion of what's of what's just happened so what annoys me is that this week, the, one week, the Doctor would know how to deal with this dimensional rift. He'd say, I know yes. exactly what to do with this. I yeah. can. He'd have some, there'd yes. be some nonsense yeah. he could do. And this week he can't, because we're not telling that sort of story this week. And that's when I feel manipulated okay. and unsatisfied. <laughs> Sorry, I really didn't like it. But I also feel like I owe it to everyone involved to read the book and... Um, Maybe I will, and give you an update in the next exciting episode mm-hmm. of Something Who. Uh, I was just thinking. Oh, it feels like there's some there's things that because there's the whole thing about I'll put your name in the air and the you know the story in the stone and the engravings and it it feels like well hang on is that well, but that seems to be just a and if that if that played a part in if the fact that that's all the books can join wouldn't that be a fantastic little there's a Conceit. real mismatch between, if between say, the air of... If you say, that's, and that's why rooks say, you know, if that's why ravens yeah. only say car these days, and that's something to do with, that's something to do with closing the rift, or even putting the markings on the, you know, putting the markings on the stones or something like that. Like a just-so-story kind of thing. If they'd left it very um, magical and mythological mm. and magic realist somehow, Which is then what? I think I'd have been much happier yeah. than, than burdening us with lots of techno babble. Mm. Yeah, which and is then, what survival, after all, is is that magical, real mismatch magical realist it is. kind of thing. It's the perfect, it's the perfect mashup of the two stars' mm. survival. But here, somebody, and, I feel, it feels like many hands have worked on this and <sighs> produced a bit of a hodgepodge. It feels unfair to say, oh, it's the, you know, it's, you know, to put the blame on Stephen Moffat necessarily. Is it trying to trying to fit something that? Well, is it because she's trying to more consciously fit something that fits the template of modern? Maybe. 
Moffat let the other Moffat let other writers get away with magic realism. We had Kill the Moon and Forest of the Night, didn't oh, we? Yes. And he didn't mm. seem to insist upon any measure of scientific scientific accuracy Good there. Good point. Yeah, but they they still yeah, but then there's there's accuracy. You know, there's not. Well, yeah, all right, I don't mean accuracy. Sorry, no, exactly. They're, they're, they're not. Yeah, but um, they're to, not some. To be fair, we, we know they're Kill massively. Kill the Moon is actually tightly. We know they're scientific. They're scientifically nonsense, but they still they like this. They struggle to put a fig leaf of of a techno babble explanation on what's going on. I think, I mean, certainly, Forest of the Night does, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. And this does, and you know, in Kill the Moon, okay, it's got the moon, you know, the moon dragon is more wacky. But yeah, you know, I don't, I don't think they really, I don't think anything just lets it, you know, just lets it go and says, ah, oh, space is weird, you know. Mm. <laughs> Arguably, that doesn't. Yeah, the only time that really happens is um. That I can think of is the um, oh, what's the one with the song? The sleeping, pla- the sleeping planet, and the lullaby and the mummy. Yes, uh, Akaton. Akaton, yeah. Well, that's probably the closest we really get to something where it just says, "Yeah, we're just going to be downright weird." Yeah, I mean, I, I guess if we if we if we start talking about links, I mean, I, I, th- I think fundamentally we've all probably covered most of the ones that I've thought of already. You know, both both stories are looking at young people finding their way in the world, mm. and we can we've argued, I guess, about how successful each of them is in that. There's Scottish humour in Eaters, which just doesn't really exist in in survival. Although a lot of the Scottish humour that's in Eaters feels Moffatish rather than maybe Munroish. Yeah. I got far enough into the book to notice that all those early ones about. Death by Scotland. Death by Scotland. Yes. Yeah. Oh, none of that. None of that's in there. No. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that, so that stands to reason. I, I mentioned before that the the central notion of we 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 shouldn't be fighting each other. We should be working together. Seems to appear in both. Neither story ends the way they were originally written. Probably. I mean, we know we know Cartmel <laughs> has, has, has has added the little coda at the end, and and Moffat, we presume, has done the same thing with Missy. In both cases, they talk up the the, the risk, don't they? I mean, it, the, it's not just, I guess, the sense that in, in survival that the protagonist may turn feral, but there's there's this exploding planet thing. And it's similarly here, it's not just that the eaters of light can kill people, they can eat the suns or something. Yeah, there's, a, there's a bigger threat <laughs> somehow that's not totally clear. Or totally necessary. Yeah, in the in the latter case. In the latter case, for sure. The companion is dictating the location of the story. In both cases, I mean, Bill wants to be where the ninth legion has disappeared, and and Ace says, "Can we just go back and try and meet my mates in uh, Perivale?" And both of them have a portal between worlds. Kind yeah, of. so I was going to say gateways and things like that are quite a theme. Frankly, I would rather have some mildly unconvincing cheetah costumes and he's yet another dull cgi monster because the design on when the monsters are completely cgi the design and i don't wish to be unkind to the people who worked on it always seem a bit underwhelming you never see you always come away not really having mm. much of a feeling for what you've just seen you know what i mean but when you don't have to actually mm. yeah oh dear it does handle the actual stuff where, where it's actually interacting with people in a tentacles yeah you know, what's I, I felt quite well, and it looks like he's playing to the 
working within the limitations of of Doctor Who monster kind of things. Whereas then, yeah, as you say, when it comes up on a it's a CGI on a, on a blue screen, it's very much the same as the um the horde of witches. Yeah, especially when there's a swirling mass of them, and, and they, yes. or the reapers in yes, Father's yeah. Day. It's, yeah. it's just intangible. Mm. Both of them have Rona Monroe's, you know, and that's a that's a theme, like a mythological or sort of preoccupations with mythology, symbolism, kind of mm. stuff. Certainly, you've got all the moon moon symbolism and stuff like that in going on survival. Bit of blood symbolism. Survival's surprisingly gory. I didn't really mention that when we mm. were talking about it. I was, I was surprised at the amount of um, putrefying flesh on display. I mean, okay, <laughs> the the dead domestic cats are <laughs> not terribly convincing, but possibly that's just <laughs> possibly that's for the um, for the good. But um, mm. when they get to the planet, the amount of carcasses and things that are lying around true is a bit unusual. But yes, and certainly that mythological interest, I think, unites them. And I mean, I, I, I don't know. We've got a Kara and Dakara in these stories as well. Um, yeah, we have. I, I don't really I know enough, enough about the about the names, whether that's meaningful or not. Mm. Well, bless my ten toes. <laughs> oh, we managed to. I was hoping we would get off the subject of Ease of Light before we talked about it for longer than the story itself, but we failed. <laughs> we, uh... Well, we may have succeeded by the time I've edited it. <laughs> Let's just hope, because I think this has been one of the dreariest conversations we've had for quite a while. <laughs> poor, poor Eaters of Light. What has it done? It was It's inoffensive. There's nothing bad about it. Yeah, well, But I find it... Offensively inoffensive, I'm afraid. Okay. What well, what have the eaters of light ever done to you? Uh, <laughs> but there we go. <laughs> or maybe when Doctor Who takes a break and comes back for a third iteration, Rona can come back and uh, we'll see which flavour we get mm. third time. Okay. Well, thanks. Thanks for that. Thanks also to those of you who've made it to the this point in the discussion. Thanks for listening to Something Who. And if you like what we do, please subscribe, rate and review our podcast. And we've got lots of other episodes in our archives which you can listen to while you're waiting for the next one. So go and investigate that. And if you like Something Who, then please tell your friends, your family, your colleagues, your neighbours and the local newsagent. <laughs> But, you know, if you, if you don't like it, then keep it to yourselves. Yeah. So thanks, Paul. Thanks, Giles. And thanks, Simon. Yeah, thank you. No, thank you. Enjoyed the chat, as usual. suggesting that the news agents will put a copy of this podcast behind the counter with with your name on it uh well i mean who knows? At your leisure. Uh, 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 <laughs> many things are possible <laughs> here's a clip from my other podcast
Hello and welcome to If It's Hurting It's Not Working, our podcast all about work, why we work, how we work and what makes a great job. And after our last episode where everything changed, we're back to see what happened when our new co-host Nicola took a role at a new organisation. And we'll talk more generally about starting out somewhere new, what to look out for and how to make it a good experience for you and your new colleagues. Yeah, and we'll look at opportunities for reinvention and what that can do for us and whether we can reinvent or relaunch ourselves even if we stay in the same place. One of the things we'll ask is why is it that so many of the things that are roughly the same in any organisation are handled so differently? Yeah, that that is definitely a weird one. The, yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. So Nicola, the last time that we heard from you, you were just in the process of leaving the organisation you've worked for for a while. And I guess now you've started somewhere else. So how's that been for you? It's definitely been a change. It's definitely been a kind of a big move in, in how I spend my days. Obviously, we discussed before about going to a fully remote working situation and all the good things I said I was going to do I haven't done a single one of them I'm still in the same position. <laughs> I haven't been going to the gym at lunchtime it says we're on Instagram here are we on Instagram so Emily did set up an Instagram page for us but neither she nor I had really well no she knew what she was doing with it but but she didn't have time for it and I had no idea what it was yeah I haven't got Scooby I can't help you I look after no, no. It. So, I've got no idea what I'm doing so I think she posted once and I maybe posted twice on it and then I decided that I wasn't an Instagram person. <laughs> cool. I mean I, I mean I barely know what I'm doing with Twitter. I mean I I think I understand how Twitter works I just can't get on the right side of the algorithm. But uh, but yeah Instagram is a close book to me. <laughs> 